We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Build a 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands brought up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. They have no swag. They have no nothing. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is Field of 68. After dark. What's going on? Welcome into Field of 68 After Dark here on a Sunday night. Uh, we are inching closer and closer to one of these Sundays being the selection edition. Uh, this one's not, obviously. We have a little bit more of regular season left to finish up, but uh, you can see it. You can see it off into the distance, bearing down in the month of March. I'm John Martin, joined tonight by Kevin Sweeney, who says he understands the net. I'm looking forward to uh, him elaborating, sharing his alpha there. And also Jarrell McNeil, who says as a Marquette alum, he can read. Uh, Jarrell, I got to tell you, it's good to hear that. Absolutely. That there are people that go through that university that can can do that. You know, uh, re- uh, regardless of the rep that we've been getting lately with all the, the Colic stuff, you know, it's, you know, it's a very esteemed institution. So uh, I think somebody kind of got under somebody's skin there. Uh, they had our compliance lady, uh, Danielle Josetti, uh let out a tweet, uh, I think, last week to let him know, like, look, Tyler is really a good student. So, you know, man, look, all, all those Marquette people, man, all those Marquette people, you know, you, can, you can't you can't make it at that school if you can't read. So, you know, of course, of course, we're all literate. Kevin, can you read? I can read. I will say it's legitimately remarkable that it has gotten this far. Like, like, like a it niche is. internet joke has got to do the official compliance person for Marquette having yeah. to announce that yes, Tyler Kolek can read. But, very yeah, good. that gave it a little bit of that gave it a little bit of legitimacy. You know, like wait a minute now, like <laughs> <laughs> is, is there something here? Uh, look, we have a lot to touch on today uh, on the show. Some very uh, dramatic games. Uh, and some important ones, certainly, for some programs. And let's start with uh, with the Big East, uh, Jarrell. UConn has a 15-point favor tonight. Uh, this is a revenge spot. It's for the Big East uh, regular season, and they roll. Uh, 91-61. Uh, this is the first outright Big East championship for the Huskies in 25 years, which is, like, really hard to believe, given all their championships. But – 
here we are. Um, to do this, Jarrell, after you win a title, uh, how impressive was this regular season for Dan Hurley and the Huskies? Uh, I mean, it was it was really impressive, uh, and and they've been impressive uh, for the most part from start to finish. Uh, obviously, they had a, a little bit of a give back game here on their mind uh, this afternoon or, or this morning, uh, depending on what time zone you were in. Because uh, the Hall got them, uh, you know, right right when Big East play kind of jumped off. Uh, but you know, they they kind of. Um, they kind of they kind of manned the ship after that, and it was smooth sailing for the most part for the rest of the way, man. And they've kind of rolled here uh, throughout conference play as well, too. But it's really impressive, man, being a team that lost so much talent to the NBA, yeah, and won it all last year. And uh, you know they relatively rolled through, uh, you know, through the NCAA tournament as well last year, man. Just so just for them to reload uh, the player development, the guys that they had step up this year. Uh, Cam Spencer coming in, a great addition yep. uh, on Dan Hurley's part, man. All, all the pieces just kind of fit, man. It's been really impressive what they've done, and uh, you know they they've earned one title, and uh, we'll see if we'll see who ends up getting the next one uh, at when uh, when Biggie's uh, tournament play jumps off here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Kevin. I mean, obviously this UConn team didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, they were you know ranked very high in the preseason polls and, and bringing back Klingon and Tristan Newton it's not like oh I can't believe this happened but I, I isn't it still I mean again to to have to replace Jordan Hawkins a Sonogo I mean usage rates it's not obvious right I don't know in, in some ways they had an even better year than than last year I mean they they absolutely did yeah look to me like Dan Hurley should be national coach of the year I think it's it's stopped being a conversation in my mind. Like, I think he's earned it. Uh, for them to be where they are, to be as consistently good as they have been this season, given what they lost in the offseason, certainly. But then, given what they've dealt with with injuries throughout the season, obviously, remember, Klingon injured for much of the non-conference. Caravan missed a big game against St. John's. Steph Castle missed time in November and early December. Like, this team has not been at full strength. And now that they are, you see how dominant they can be today, obviously winning by 30. And it's funny, I felt like Seton Hall was playing well for a lot of that game. And it didn't mm -hmm. matter. This team is just so good, so dominant at their best. Like, to me, yes, there's always a lot of different candidates for Coach of the Year because it's a very nebulous award. You can argue it in so many different ways. Okay, this is why someone deserves to be National Coach of the Year. Um, but in my mind, this guy took a title-winning team, lost key pieces, flipped it as a team that has a very real chance to win a national title yet again. I think Dan Hurley is national coach of the year right now. Yeah. So just as a follow-up, uh, Kevin, in terms of the way that they're built, I mean, it, it is different from a year ago, whereas, you know, you had timely shot making from Jordan Hoggs. I think that's a, that's a little more easily re replaced, right. With Spencer and what Tristan Newton is doing. And then, you know, Stefan Castle's coming in and giving you 21 today, but it is different in terms of you really leaned on Sonogo there from multiple levels. So, when you sort of assess, you know, the way they're going to look in the tournament, how much different is it? Are they? Do you think they're better equipped for a, another tournament run? Just how would you sort of compare this one to last year? So I think the two things that they miss most are Sonogo's post presence, right? Klingon's not a guy you're necessarily playing through on a block, right? They got easy baskets by just playing through Sonogo whenever they got one-on-ones. Uh, and then Andre Jackson's versatility. I mean, he was so good as a passer last year defensively was phenomenal uh, in the NCAA tournament. Like to me, those are the two guys that they miss the most and why I think they're probably a little bit more vulnerable than they were a year ago. 
But the one thing that last year I think everyone pointed to as the, as the flaw for this team was point guard play. And now they have one of, if not the best point guard in the country, in Tristan Newton. I mean, Tennessee's two turnovers today has really blossomed into an All-American type guard. And so when you have elite point guard play, when you have shooting around him in Camp Spencer and Caravan, when you have defense and, and athleticism on the wing in Steph Castle, and then you have a, a seven-foot-two guy in the middle who can do everything and guys behind them who, who fill, fill roles, right, like Diara and Samson Johnson, like that is a scary, scary makeup that this UConn team has. And I, I think they certainly feel like a, a legitimate contender to, to repeat. Yeah, Jarrell, it hasn't happened much this year. I mean, they've only lost three games. But if you were, as as a player who sort of seen, you know, and, and been responsible for taking things away from guys, where would you start if you're trying to attack this UConn team? Like, where are the holes in the way this team is built? Where would you sort of look? I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things that makes them such an effective offensive team is that, they don't necessarily have a guy uh, this year that they just, you know, that you know who's going to come out and he's going to get his touches and they're going to try to get him going to get his looks right away early. I felt like a better part of last year, Sonogo was kind of that guy. Uh, they kind of just, you know, set the tone usually coming out again and starting off in games, trying to get him touches down low and seeing how, uh, how, how teams were going to scheme for him or guard him defensively. But this year, man, it's kind of um, it's it's kind of just like a community of guys when you can kind of get it from anywhere. Obviously, Tristan Newton's been stellar at the point guard spot. He's been dynamic for them uh, as a playmaker. Uh, Cam Spencer is having a a, a first team All Big East level type of year. Uh, Caravan has had a really good year uh, quietly in, in some respects, but a really good year. God is playing his ass off and uh, and has really took a step this year. One of those guys that stepped up. And, uh, and Klingan even has, has become uh, another option where it's like they may not throw the ball and just constantly force feed him the ball because he's probably not as good offensively right now just playing through him in the post as Sonogo was. But he's still a guy where he's so massive and he's so huge, man, that you got to account for him. And it's really hard to leave a guy like that one-on-one -on -one consistently, especially when he's trying to get deep seals. And, and you know, just, uh, you know, you got to tip your hat a lot of times, man, because I, I study a lot of stuff that Hurley does offensively, man, and they just have so many different plays and such a good flow and rhythm offense uh they yep. do a great job of spacing the floor and they have so many counters and screens and rip screens and back screens and misdirection back doors that it's uh you know it's just fun basketball to really watch once they get once they once they have it all flowing together yeah i i decided in my mind you know probably three months ago i think it was after they went into it wasn't gonzaga's home floor it was like their weird secondary venue and when they when they yeah. put that beat down on Gonzaga, I was like, I'm, I'm never betting against this UConn team. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to bet on them every game, but I'm never betting against them. Um, and so it's not at all shocking to me when Klingon's healthy and they have their stuff rolling. It's, I mean, there's a reason they're the they're, they're the favorite right now to win the entire thing. Uh, there's no doubt about it. All right, a few more that we need to touch on here in the Big East before we get to today's games. Uh, Creighton does win. Uh, they get their lick back, Jarrell on Marquette. Uh, now, no Tyler Kolek and no Oso. Um, what did you just make of the effort yesterday, both from Marquette and obviously the winner there in Creighton, who seems to be certainly playing their best basketball of the season? Oh man, it was. Uh, to be honest, it was it was inspiring as you can as you can have uh, in a loss. 
Uh, obviously, there's no moral victories in this game, and, and the L is still an L, man. But just to see the way that those, a lot of those young guys fought, guys who haven't played a whole lot this year, uh, Trey Normans and, uh, and the guys like that, uh, man, those guys came out and they competed. And even other guys who had been there and our normal guys that's in the rotation with Chase and uh, Cam, Cam tried to do everything he could to keep him in the game. Jop had a, a couple of really big uh, plays and played well, man. It, it was just fun to see those guys fighting, either, even without uh, arguably your two most important, two best players on the floor. Um, that you know that they weren't going to just come out there and lay down and just let Creighton walk away to a win, man. They were there all the way up into the end, uh, you know, kind of mm -hmm. ran out of gas there, and uh, it seemed like they might have they might have had some type of bug going on throughout the team as well, too, man. Because a couple of those guys that actually played didn't look like they were a hundred percent, you know. what I mean, so uh, it was just inspiring to see those guys keep fighting, man. And uh, right now. This time of year, uh, I guess that kind of that kind of put the nail in the coffin for the conference championship, and us having a shot at uh, getting UConn back in Milwaukee. But uh, you know, most importantly, this team is on a mission to do something, uh, and, and, and primarily in that second tournament in March. So uh, you know, those guys got to get healthy so that they're ready to roll when it uh, when it matters most. Yeah, Kevin, on the on the Creighton side, you know, there there were times this season where I was really. I was cynical of, about them. Ashworth sort of as the big transfer piece, right? Like I just didn't know early on. I was there in Vegas, as I've said before, when I saw them, you know, basically get taken to the woodshed by UNLV, and I wondered about their toughness, and I was, I was skeptical of that. But you look up now, Kevin, they've won six out of seven. Ashworth has really settled in as just a shot maker for them. Um, how far can this Creighton team go? Look, I think they're a threat to make a Final Four. Uh, I'm not sure that they will, obviously, matchup dependent, but I think they're that good and they're that dangerous. I mean, the way that they shoot the basketball, I mean, they make 13 threes the other day against, against Marquette. I mean, Shireman has really become one of the most dangerous offensive players in college basketball. He's such a high-level shooter. He gets the spots. He gets it off so quickly. Uh, and you combine that with the playmaking that they have with with Ashworth and Alexander and, and, and the gravity that, that Kalkbrenner has at the rim, it's just a, a really difficult recipe to stop. And the fact that you combine their, you know, their ability to score with anyone with being an improved defensive team, right? This is not an elite defensive unit, but they're good enough on that end of the floor that they can hang in games. And to me, like a, a team that can space the floor and, and make threes at the clip that Creighton can that has the rim protection that they have, that that's the, that's a scary recipe for, for opposing teams. And so I think you've seen them start to play their best basketball. I actually thought they could have been better, uh, you know, Saturday. I mean, credit to Marquette. I thought that, um, you know, in some ways, maybe a good thing for them long-term to, to, to have that type of game where, where Joplin and Mitchell and, and Jones were relied upon as heavily as they were. Uh, yeah. But, you know, certainly a, not a full-strength unit. But I, I, I just think Creighton – their explosiveness is really, really scary. Uh, obviously, we saw what they did against UConn, but even, you know, as, as you said, I mean, it's been six, seven, eight games now where they have just been dominant at times, and I think this Creighton team is really surging at the right time. Want to want to blow through some of these really quickly because we we talked about a lot of them yesterday. But uh, as someone who's on the field in the '68 show that we do here on the network, um, Bill Nova wins against Providence. Jeff Goodman. Again, Jeff Goodman, uh, we don't know if he can count to 10, uh, let alone, you know, 12. <laughs> so I don't know if he's necessarily, uh, you know, uh, reliable in terms of seeding here, who's in and who's out. 
is that enough? Did Villanova do enough yesterday with that win, Kevin, to to get on the right side? Like, or is it dependent on what they do or don't do the rest of the way? Like, what's the breakdown of Nova's resume? I think they're in tomorrow. I don't know if they're in next week or in two weeks, right? I think they still have work to do just because they have those 12 total losses. Uh, you know, finish at Seton Hall, home Creighton. Uh, if they lost both of those games, they enter the Big East tournament 17 and 14. And it's going to be really hard to make the NCAA tournament if you in 17 and 14. So if they can find a way to split these two. You know, they have quality wins. I mean, certainly neutral. North Carolina is huge. Uh, they won at Creighton. That's an elite win. Uh, beat Texas Tech on a neutral in the non-conference. That's a really nice non-conference victory. Now have swept Providence, right? Like they, they've accomplished some stuff here uh, on their resume. It's just the, the quantity of losses that have been a problem for them. So uh, if they can win one more, I think they're in really good shape. But if they drop these next two, they'll go right back to the uh, wrong side of the bubble. Uh, okay, let's get to today's results. Uh, Jarrell, this Ohio State team, like, I don't know, like were they just playing possum? Like they just didn't. They just didn't rock with Chris Holtman or something, bro. Like, was there just like a toxic <laughs> culture? Like, I'm, I'm like, was he not passing out the beats or something? Like, what was up with the NIL? I don't know. But this looks like a different team. They've won four out of five since Chris Holtman was let go, uh, including today a, a blowout win of Michigan, eighty-four to sixty-one. Uh, is this like what? I mean, is it just as simple as a coaching change and they're inspired? Like, what's different about this Buckeyes team? Man, it, it it definitely seems that way, and uh, I seen I seen them play. I would say probably most of two of their last four games, and uh, just from what I had saw early on in the year before they made the coaching change, man, uh, it definitely it certainly looks like a different team, man. Uh, those guys those guys look like they're uh, they're full of life right now. They're enthusiastic. Uh, they look like they they're not really concerned with the results right now. They're out there just grinding, playing as hard as they can. And uh, and playing together, man, and it's uh it's actually been fun to see. It's been refreshing to see. Uh, shout out to Diva; he's done a great job, obviously, man. And uh, yeah, but I think they won three of their last four. Uh, and even in the game that uh, I think they lost, which I think that was Minnesota, they lost to. Uh, yeah, it was Minnesota on the road. Yeah, which is, yeah, w- yeah, which has been a tough game for pretty much everybody in the Big Ten this year. But even in that game, man, yep. uh, just seeing the way that they lost and they competed that game, you know, because they kind of gave Minnesota all that they could handle, man. But uh, it's been inspiring to see, man. Obviously, they might be on to something here. So uh, if nothing else, I think uh, I think Deeble earned himself a little bit of money and, uh, and, and, and you know, obviously just thickening up the resume a little bit and increasing his reps. So, man, they've done a good job, man, and they kind of just wore Michigan down a day. Yeah, it'll be interesting, Kevin, right now. I know you have an article coming out real soon for SI on give the job to Diebler, but how do you sort of work through that? Because, I mean, dude is putting together, I mean, at an end of the season. I think that's probably the hard thing is, like, the sample size is so damn small, hard, yeah. and it's hard to give a job like that on such a small sample, but – is there anything he can do to make it a hard decision for Ohio State administrators? I think making a run in the NCAA tournament would make things interesting. I'm not <laughs> sure they can get there, right? They'd have to right. certainly, I think, beat Rutgers on the road on, on Sunday next week and then maybe even win one, you know, a couple games in the Big Ten tournament to get into that conversation. If they do that and then they make a run in March, like I, I think there's, a, there's at least – uh, a conversation that has to be had about Diebler. I just think it's going to be hard, right? Like at the end of the day, Ohio State spent $14, 15000000 million to buy out Chris Holtman because they didn't like the program's direction. So um, h- how do you turn around in a month and say, all right, we're very confident that this guy who was sitting here all this time is the guy. 
right? I think you 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 go you do that to make a splash. And so unless Diebler can really you know make significant headway here in the next couple of weeks, I think he's still not likely to get the job. That being said, as Jarrell said, he certainly uh, acquitted himself well and uh, opened his yep. opened up some doors for him in the future, coaching job wise. And then uh, lastly here in terms of games that happened today that were uh, – I mean, there, there was an absolute shit show in Memphis, a game that – I mean, I watch a lot of college basketball, <laughs> not just Memphis, and I've never seen a flip like that, as dramatic a flip. Uh, UAB was up 22 in the first half. They lost the game by 19. Uh, I, I just – of course, Andy Kennedy gets ejected. The, and, 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 I, and I made this point on my, on my uh, social media – it looked like how it, it, when I went to high school, it looked like they were playing like my classmates would act when the substitute teacher was in, like bad as hell. Nobody, nobody showed up. <laughs> Everybody's throwing paper around the room like it was just crazy as hell. So, Kevin, I'm going to come back to you. How interesting is Memphis making this? I know it's not, not, it's not about the win today. It's just sort of about what they have done in the last two weeks here. Are they back in the discussion at all with a win against FAU? Like, just sort of break down for me what the picture looks like for Memphis as of today. Yeah, I think the the win at FAU would be a prerequisite to any bubble conversation. I think if they do that, then they're in at, le- at least in the mix. I think you know they still their their easiest path still remains to win that American tournament because they have so many kind of weird results on their resume. The the the, the home loss to Rice being the most obvious, but um, look, they've. Yep. they've They've, they've made it interesting, and if nothing else, like they, they just look like a, a different team. And, again, it, it seems to depend minute to minute with this group, right? This, this first half was an embarrassment today, giving up 61 points at home. The UAB is wild. But the best of Memphis is still a really, really good, really scary basketball team. We saw that a little bit here in the second half. So if they, they turn it on, they're, they're going to be dangerous come March. Yeah, this Memphis basketball season brought to you by Prozac. Jarrell, in terms of a team that gets hot, because that 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 looks like we see this in college basketball, right? We see teams get their emotions right. They get their head right. They start to believe a little bit. When you watch Memphis play, is that what's happening? It seems, it seems like that. I think it's still too early to call for sure, John. Uh, but it seems like they kind of got you know like you know like Space Jam man when uh, when the players got their powers back man uh, that's what Memphis has kind of looked like the last couple weeks or the last couple games man because early on in the year uh, I know when we were doing the shows man I was all in on them man because they looked like they were gonna be a really tough older uh, kind of grind you down defensive rugged team that had just enough weapons offensively to beat you and you know those type of teams I thought for sure like man that's a team that can make a deep run if they're playing well and everybody stays healthy at the right time uh so now it seems like they kind of turned the corner i think it's still too early to call and uh, obviously they got some work to do just to start getting back into the bubble talk but look man i feel like i've seen this movie before though so man uh, they, they obviously have the talent they have the roster where they can get hot and run and they yep. can and they can easily win that tournament and get into uh, and get into the field and, and scare the hell out of some teams early on in the first couple of rounds. So you just, you just never know, man. When when things get when things start clicking on all t- cylinders around this time of year, and you end up getting yep. in that tournament, those are usually the most dangerous teams. No question about it. It was a, it was a hell of a game, hell of a day in college basketball. All right, when we come back, we're gonna do a little. Uh, we're gonna sell. We're gonna buy. 
we're going to hold. We're going to sort of make sense of the field here. We're going to throw some teams at you guys, and you're going to buy, sell, hold. We'll uh, get into that and a whole lot more here on Field of 68 After Dark. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March madness if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet you can use the bonus code field 150 and you will get 150 dollars in free bets on your first wager with betmgm regardless of whether or not you win that first bet here's the best part all you need to do is deposit and bet five dollars of your hard-earned money this is how you make it work Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the BetMGM app and sign up today we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark here on a Sunday night. I'm John Martin, joined by a man who says he understands the net and a man who can definitely, no doubt about it, read uh, as a graduate of Marquette. So that is definitely uh, – uh, it's nice to be able to do a show with somebody from Marquette who can do that. We do have uh, a little bit more to get to on the show today, boys, as we're nearing the tournament, uh, just uh, a few short weeks away, 
And today, we're going to kind of go through it. You have three options. You can buy a team. You can sell that team. You can hold that team. All right? And then I guess we'll, Trevor's going to write all this down, and then you're going to be held accountable for your answers in April. All right? Like so it. that's the way this is going to work. Trevor, we got that right. We're going to get all this down <clears throat> and documented. Accountability. All right. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. You're going to be docked for how inaccurate you are. All right. Let's get it going. Buy, sell, hold, Jarrell. The Kansas Jayhawks. Ooh. I am. I'm going to hold. I'm going to get the thing going early. I'm going to hold. I'm definitely not buying. I'm definitely not selling just yet. Uh, Kansas has had me worried. Uh, that's what their tumultuous play throughout the course of the year, man. Uh, they've been up and down. I think that uh, I think that the Furphy uh, coming along and playing a lot more in the second half of the season has kind of gave them a little bit of a uh, you know a little bit of calm and, and a lineup that makes more sense. But uh, you know uh, you also got the injury with McCullough in the knee, man. So you got to you know that that's going to be a big. Uh, a big tail sign of her, of how far they can go, man, because I think he's too important for them. Without him, I don't see them may, being able to make a deep run. So I'm holding on Kansas right now. Mr. Sweeney. I, I think I'm going to sell. I know it feels wrong to sell Bill Self in March, but I just don't know that this group is has, has the makeup to, to, to win a title or really push for, for that. And obviously that's the standard of Kansas. Uh, the depth is a concern to me. McCuller obviously returned against Baylor, but I, I just want to see him look like himself, look healthy for me to be really confident in this group. Um, you know, I think the inconsistency this year, especially away from Allen Fieldhouse, has been concerning. So uh, I, I'm going to begrudgingly here. I'll, I'll sell the Jayhawks. I'm going to join you. I'm going to join you. I'm going to sell as well. Um, and I, and I, think, I think that those are the options, right? You sell or you hold. There's no buy in this team. You can't buy them right now. It's it's overpriced as it is. Um, but I just think <laughs> for all the reasons that we talked about, it's just too much pressure night to night on McCuller and Dickinson. And, you know, I, I wish I could count on a third guy. I mean, I, Dewan Harris' responsibility is to, is to engineer the offense, right? I mean, he's never been a scorer. I love him. I think he's fantastic at that. But he's not a consistent scorer. And so when you don't have that third guy consistently, you can't go to anybody off the bench. Bill Self just doesn't have the options this year. So, uh, unfortunately for me, it's going to be a sell. It was high on him to start the year. Thought it could look really good. It's just unfortunately been a little bit more mediocre. Again, seven Big 12 losses, I believe, for the first time in the history of Bill Self's tenure there. So that kind of gives you an idea of just how down it has been. Okay, Jarrell, we're going to move on to your Marquette Golden Eagle. Buy, sell, hold. Oh, yeah, we're going to buy that for sure. We're going to buy that for sure. We're going to get my boy Oso back to uh, full strength. My boy D, uh, TK going to get to take these couple of days off here and uh, that last game they missed and uh, and get right, man. And we're going to be rolling to this thing uh, as, as close to full strength and everybody feeling well as possible, man. So I'm buying on Marquette. I still think uh, when they have all their – their most important pieces and this is all without still missing uh missing sean jones who's just a a a big piece of this team and he gave us another dynamic guard off of the bench but man uh i'm I'm gonna buy on marquette i think they'll get it all together they're still gonna be one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country they'll be hard to stop and you're gonna need about 80 points to do it so buying buying on the golden eagles for sure and we can read and we can read I'm buying that. 
I'll buy that. I'll buy that they can read. They don't need hooked on phonics up there. But 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 Kevin, are you going to really look Jarrell, a, a, a proud Marquette Golden Eagle? Are you really going to look him in the eyes and say you're selling his beloved Marquette Golden Eagles? Are you really about to do that? I'm not going to sell. I'm going to hold. Uh, I, I just want to one. I want to see how Kolick comes back. Right, obviously. Uh, you know, has this oblique issue? Does he does he look 100? percent They're going to need him to play at an elite level uh, for them to make a deep run here in March. I think. Look, they're they're an easy sell to me because they are not a sell, sell them like that. There's they're easy. There's easy team to trust because they're top 20 in both offense and defense on Ken Palm. They're very balanced. Uh, they have veterans. They have guys who've been through a March disappointment before and I think are ready for the challenge. Um, but look, I still want to see how they fare against elite competition, right? I was very impressed with how they played uh, the other night when I saw them play Providence. I was impressed with how they fought uh, over the weekend against Creighton. I would have liked to see that game with them at full strength. Uh, so I'm so I'm holding because I haven't seen it. You know, I'll, I'll go up this weekend, this week, see them against UConn. If they play at a high level, I think they they could convince me they're a title contender. I think hold is fair. Um... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the the colic injury though, and I'm gonna put that in my case to sell, uh, because he's too important for them, um, and I don't know how long term that injury is. And we've talked about Marquette here too. Like I I need them to do something notable in 2024, and I'm sorry, Villanova and St. John's wins aren't enough for me. Um, you know I, I needed to see something against UConn or Creighton, and again, unfortunately, the injury impacted i think that creighton game but um i just i need to see something in 2024 and they're not going to be full strength against uconn so maybe if they go on a big run in the big east tournament um i, I could be converted but right now i'm sorry drill i'm gonna sell uh it's it's there hard for me no to do way, that while you're on the show it's no way John. it's hard for me <laughs> it's hard for me to do that <laughs> and, got, and there's a mythian so it hurts me it hurts because cam jones is balling out but all the uncertainty with marquette kind of spooks me so i'm gonna sell at a pretty good price, I think. I think I'm, I'm getting a pretty good premium for them right now. All right, on to Auburn. Uh, the Auburn Tigers buy, sell, or hold uh, on Bruce Pearl's bunch, Jarrell. I'm go, I'm going buy I'm going buy Auburn. Um, I've liked I've liked the way uh, that they've played all season long. I feel like they're a team that has an identity. Uh, they defend. They're gonna pressure you. They're gonna do uh, the things that Bruce Pearl likes to do, uh, and they got and they got they got enough guys that are talented enough offensively to beat you. Uh, Broom has been great this year. I think he's one of the best players in the SEC for sure. Uh, and they got a couple of different dynamic guards as well too that they could put in uh, in ball screen action and play up high so uh, and make shots from the outside as well too, man. So I'm I'm buying in on Auburn, man. I think they're I think they're gonna they're gonna be a tough out once tournament times rolls around. Kevin, War Damn Eagle? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been buying Auburn all year, um, and I know that they haven't had that breakthrough just yet. I, I think that Tennessee game, obviously, on Wednesday was a big missed opportunity, a game they led, a game they had a chance to go win and just couldn't finish down the stretch, couldn't slow down Dalton Connect. Um, so, look, they've, they, they've made us pay, right? Every time we think Auburn has finally, you know, turned the corner, they haven't just yet. But I still think – when you look at the whole yeah. picture of this team, the way they can be elite on the defensive end, the way they can dominate you in the front court, the way that they have depth, and you know they're they're the Noah's Ark team with two of everything, which is obviously something that we've heard on this network once or twice. Like they are they are a deep basketball team that can really shoot the basketball, that can pound you on the inside, and that can defend. To me, that's a team that can win a national championship. So I'm buying the Auburn Tigers. 
Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said, and yet they haven't done anything against a top 20 team in Ken Palm outside of a rivalry game in Alabama in, in SEC conference play. And they only have, as we know, one quad, one win. And so I'm going to hold. I'm not going to buy them. I'm not going to sell. I'm going to hold them and hope that that's just an anomaly, right? I mean, because, I, I, I again, I agree with both you guys. Like, they have all the ingredients that you need. They have scoring. They have interior play. Bruce Pearl's been to the Final Four with Auburn before, so it's not like you're at some disadvantage from a coaching standpoint either. But, uh, you know, are, are they the SEC equivalent of Marquette? <clears throat> where, where, like, they haven't really got that stamp yet. And I think that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm going to I'm going to. I'm going to hold them with with the option to buy a little bit later. I think that's the way it works. All right, come, uh, come on okay. now, John. We got a lot more quality wins than Auburn now. Shit, come on. You do? No, you do. You do. <laughs> Your injury. They might have been Your in injury. 2023, but they still count. Yes. Well, that All I right, think Tra done. Trevor, I'm did done. you did you turn up Jarrell's <laughs> volume on that? <laughs> did you turn up Jarrell's? Uh, but no, I, I agree with you. It's just the injury situation with with Marquette is why I was more of a sell than a hold. Uh, okay, a couple more to hit here, guys, before we get to break. New Mexico, the New Mexico Lobos, Jarrell. You buying, you selling, you holding. I am told by Trevor that they have to play tournament games uh, outside of the state of New Mexico if that influences your decision. It it does. Um, and I do like their team. Uh, I think they're tough. Uh, uh, and, they, and, you know, they, and they're held at home, man. But in a, a neutral site in March, uh, they're a different team away from home. Uh, so I'm going to sell on the Lobos. Uh, I think I think they get a little bit flat offensively sometimes and struggle to score. Uh, but the one thing that they do hang their hat, in, uh, uh, hat on is on the defensive end, and they, and they can do that. So they'll, it won't be easy, but uh, I can see a team that can kind of fill it up and spread you out and get it going and shoot a lot of threes, taking those guys out early. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell the Lobos losing on a neutral site somewhere. Uh, coming to a theater near you soon. Now, now, Kevin, uh, with two straight L's, one at home to Air Force, and then last night against Boise State, you would be getting a discount if you do opt to buy. I do want to throw that in there. And, and that's why I think I'm going to buy this New Mexico team is because I still think that if they can get into the NCAA tournament, they're very dangerous because you know they have incredible size and athleticism for – for a Mountain West team, right? This group physically has the makings of, of a power conference type program. They have a dynamic point guard in Donovan Dent. They have experienced guards who can make shots in House and Mashburn. They've just struggled here lately. I mean, you know, some of that's been defensive woes. They were really bad on that end against Boise and Air Force. They have to be better. Um, you know, they, 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 they really turned a corner there in January and early February and have, have kind of fallen flat here again lately. Um, like, I, I, I do believe this team can make noise at their best. We just haven't seen it here lately from them. Um, you know, I, I, I hope they can find a way into the dance. I think they're an exciting team to watch. Obviously play an incredibly, yeah. you know, dynamic, fast-paced style. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful we see the Lobos in the tournament. It might take one more big win, though. So I'll, I'll, I'll buy at the low price and, and hope I get a, a sweet 16 run from the Lobos. Yeah, dude. I mean, you got that. You know, you got that Walmart rollback price right now on the Lobos. Uh, <laughs> here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take New Mexico. I'm gonna take San Diego State. I'm gonna take Nevada. I'm gonna take every single one of these programs from the Mountain West, and I'm gonna put them in a shoebox. And like a bunch of old sports cards, I'm 
just going to sell them in bulk. And that's kind of like how I look at this Mountain West conference. Like it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I've enjoyed it. I think it's, you know, when you could have a Friday night basketball game and it's competitive and it's fun. Like, I think that's a, an addition and enhancement for college basketball, but I don't think any of these teams is a legitimate contender at all. Uh, so fun to watch, fun to collect, just like sports cards, but put them in a shoebox. Highest bidder. You can have them. You can have them all. You can fight over it, right? Fight over what has value and what doesn't. But for me, like, I don't think any one of these teams rises above the rest. So I'm, I'm selling Trevor the entire Mountain West, all right? And then finally, Jarrell, the Michigan State Spartans, are, are, are they in even? Uh, buy, sell, or hold? Oh, I'm, I'm selling. Uh, I, I'm, I'm almost to a point now. And uh, and I was kind of looking at RC sideways for the way that he was tired of all the Michigan State talk, man. So I'm uh I'm I'm with him now, though, man. They just just it just it just, it hasn't come together. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, just thinking that uh you know Izzo will find a way and kind of find that special unit or that lineup to make it all come together and click, man. Uh, and it and it just doesn't the way that they try even when they win games the way that they win games it's never easy it's difficult uh, and 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 it's a little too much on the shoulders of Tyson Walker man and uh, you know too much inconsistency for some of those other guys and just even with rotations and lineups and things like that uh, you know their front court has been a bit of a disaster all year long because you kind of don't know who you're gonna get or what you're gonna get from who so. Uh, you know, and I don't think that's something that they're going to figure out within the next couple of weeks. So I'm selling on the Spartans, man. Yeah, I mean, look, it does feel like they are firmly in, Kevin, but um, is this a team that you trust to do any damage at all once they do get there? Look, I'm, I'm holding my stock because I still think that when you have good old guards, you're going to be a team that's tough to play against the NCAA tournament. We've seen the Michigan State get play well against good teams. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, this Michigan State team played really well on the road yesterday against Purdue. Couldn't quite get over the finish line, but it's hard to win at Mackey Arena. It's hard to hard to stay close at Mackey Arena, and they did that. So uh, I'm not completely off of the Spartans just yet. Uh, obviously, it's been disappointing for them to be where they are. Um you know, two more kind of tricky games coming up, you know, home Northwestern on Wednesday and then at Indiana, Indiana playing a little bit better lately, obviously never easy to play at assembly hall. So they have work to do to ensure that they're an NCAA tournament team. I, I still wouldn't want to play them in, in March just because they have, you know, guys like Tyson Walker who can make shots and, and, and beat you. But at the same time, and they still have time is they're coaching them, but at the same time, they haven't done much to sell me on why they're about to break through. Yeah. I mean, listen, Tom Izzo is undeniably a great. He is a he is a legend in this game, um, but it does sometimes feel like the narrative with him goes a little far. Like we we kind of like get really imaginative with like just how magical his runs are. And I'm just looking at it right now. Only one year has Tom Izzo taken Michigan State to a Final Four or even a Sweet Sixteen with double digit regular season losses. It happened one time, and it was fourteen fifteen. The rest of those years. You didn't go into March wondering, is this Michigan State team worth a shit? Are they going to be able to find it? You had a good idea, right? I mean, you had a good idea that that Michigan State team get in that given year was pretty damn good. You weren't you weren't confused, uh, other than fourteen fifteen maybe. So for those reasons, man, 
I just don't see it. I don't see it with this team. I mean, they've just really done nothing but disappoint, and we can get into the reasons why, but the shooting's not there. Sometimes I watch them, guys, and I'm just like, it's, it looks a little dysfunctional. Like, it looks a little dysfunctional with this group. Um, so, no, I, I'm selling Michigan State. Um, <clears throat> if they do it, it's a credit to Tom Izzo, but I just don't think it's going to happen uh, with this group specifically. So, I actually don't think I bought a single team. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm buying that. I'm buying the shit out of that. I'm, I'm give, give me all those shares. We're going. Hey, Memphis is going to run the NIT. You don't want to see Memphis in the NIT. That's one team you're just you don't want to see. So no. Um, can you put up like uh, maybe a Houston or a, a Purdue or something? You know, like that's a team I want to buy. I don't want to buy any of these. You know, second-rate groups, man. I want to. I think it's that kind of year. I think it's a chalky year. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but it just feels like it's going to be the top four from Ken Palm and maybe Tennessee, right? Maybe Tennessee cracks that last four, that last spot. But I don't know. It just feels like that kind of year. All right, we'll come back. We'll recap the week, best wins, most disappointing losses, and more. And we'll do our toast always. You're watching Field of 68 after dark. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched the daily is edited and produced by mike miller who spent more than two decades running nbc's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the division one coaching staffs the biggest names in college basketball media and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport for just 50 dollars for the year you get access to the same information that the insiders get and before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the fieldof68.shop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark. Jarrell, have you ever had a uh, a T-shirt that ever lost its snugness <laughs> like a bottom of a bell-bottom jean, man? Um, I know. I hate when I get that, that bacon neck, though, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> man, 
And that, I love that. I love Rob Dostra, man. I really do. Uh, all right, boys and, uh, and all our audience, we do have uh, a couple of superlatives to hand out here on a Sunday night. One of our last, I think this is, Trevor, is this the last regular season Sunday of the year, or is there one more? Okay. Okay, yeah, second to last. I keep trying to fast forward. I'm ready for the tournament. I think we all are. Uh, but, Jarrell, for your money, who had the best win or performance of the week? Um, I would probably – okay, it would be a – it's a toss-up for me between Tennessee and Kentucky. I would probably lean more t- towards uh, Tennessee. I think it was a little bit more impressive. Uh, Ken- Kentucky was probably my my favorite game to watch. I'm not gonna lie, they're probably they're, they got to be the most exciting team to watch this year for sure, man. Just the way their style of play, you know, the young guys, just how exuberant they are, how fast they play. Uh, it wasn't a whole lot of defense that game versus Arkansas was like an NBA game shit. Uh, they they scored over 200 points. So, uh, but Tennessee probably had the biggest quality win, man. And they slowly but surely just continue to chip away at uh, possibly staking their claim, man, for a one seed, man. Tennessee, that, that's a team. Like, if we had them in a buyer's sale, I'm buying. I'm buying Tennessee right now, man, with yeah. uh, with Connect, the way he's playing, man. he get, He's giving it to anybody anybody who wants it right now. So, man, and, uh, and just with the staples that they have already defensively, man, Tennessee had the best win this week. Kevin. I'll take Gonzaga, right? I mean, their backs were against the wall coming into this week, right on the NCAA tournament bubble, two huge games at San Francisco and at St. Mary's, won both by double figures, were dominant really in both games. I don't think the 13-point final even represents how close that St. Mary's game was, and they they controlled it. Graham E.K. was phenomenal, uh, played like one of the best big men, one of the best players really in college basketball. Uh, To me, like Gonzaga showed me a lot this week, stake their claim as an NCAA tournament team and stake their claim not just as a team that will advance, but a team that I think has a chance to maybe make some noise once they get there. Yeah, um, I'm going to go UConn just because of the way it looked, right, how dominant it was, and then just what it represented, right? I mean, uh, first outright title in 25 years, that's an amazing thing. We know how competitive that conference is. We know the history of that league. So <clears throat> to end a 25-year drought and to do it in that resounding fashion – Against a team that did beat you earlier in the year, yeah, I got to show some love there uh, on that performance, no question about it. So mine's going to go. Uh, you could probably do that every week, but it's going to go to the Huskies for me. All right, Jarrell, who had the most disappointing performance of the week? I would probably say Kansas, um, but they had a major injury as well too. But uh, I thought that I thought that they were going to be able to come out and possibly get it done still against Baylor. Uh, but the Jayhawks kind of just like 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 we talked about earlier, their season and just all years kind of feel. I feel like it's been in limbo, even though that they've won a ton of games, and uh, and it, it, it and they don't have a ton of losses. But it just it's just difficult to kind of watch, uh, you know, a Bill self led team struggle a little bit and catch some of these some of these losses in a way that they're losing some of these games throughout the course of a year. And uh, you know, this is the year we were. Everybody was so concerned about Houston entering the Big 12 or yep. whatever, man. And, uh, you know, now we look up and we see Kansas here. And, you know, it hasn't been easy for those guys either. Kevin, who, who who's that Who's that for you this week? Yeah, I've been a big Wake Forest supporter all year. I think they're a really fun team to watch. But 
And this week was a, set, a setback. Two two losses, two games were very winnable. At Notre Dame, that's a game you have to win if you're an NCAA tournament team. Led that game at halftime, couldn't finish. And then uh, you know we're up big early against Virginia Tech. I think we're up 15 in the first half. Faded down the stretch, lost by 11. Like I, I still think Wake has a chance to make the tournament. Two big games this, this week, especially that game against Clemson coming up on Saturday. But I think if, if, if Wake does miss the tournament, they'll look back on this week as, as the one that got away. Yeah, look, I, I feel a little guilty doing this, but um, like for me, it, it it was Alabama last night. Um, you know, and again, that's a good Tennessee team. That's a potentially great Tennessee team. So it feels a little ass backwards to be saying that that's the most disappointing performance of the week. But the way that the game played out, you know, you ha- you finally fight back. First of all, you get down early at home. That was a that was a disaster start. Then you get all the way back. You're leading at half. I think you build a lead as high in the second half. And then you just kind of let go of the rope, you know. That was a game where you could still have a say in the SEC regular season championship. You're at home. You're a big favorite. It's a revenge spot. You lost earlier in the year. You got blown out by Tennessee at their place. And and you have a chance to close them out in yours, and you can't do it. Um, and so I would say with the leverage of the moment <clears throat> and, and just how in control it looked for them at that time when they were up nine and the fact that they couldn't get off a good shot, and the offense really sputtered out with Dalton Connect and foul trouble the whole day, uh, I would say that was money left on the table. So I feel like for what it could have been for Alabama, that was definitely very disappointing uh, to not get that done. Uh, okay, Jarrell, this is sort of the same um, you know, thing here, but was there a surprise for you this week? What, what surprised you about this week in college basketball in terms of results? Oh, man. What was a surprise for me this week? You know, I thought, um, I thought, uh, and it, it really was. I'm not gonna say it was a surprise. I thought that uh, I thought Florida had a chance to get South Carolina. Uh, don't ask me why. I just, I, I, I still think Florida, just talent wise, has a lot of really good guards on their team, and they have size and good big guys too who can do some different things. Uh, they're another team that I like their style of play. They like to play fast. Uh, they just can't seem to put it all together defensively and stop anybody consistently. But I thought they were gonna have a chance uh, to get to sneak that win uh, against South Carolina. Uh, it ended up being a really good game. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily a shocker, but that was one that I had kind of penciled in as a game that uh, Florida was gonna be able to go steal. Kevin, any surprise this week? Yeah, I thought BYU breaking through was was a big surprise. Maybe maybe I shouldn't have been as surprised as I was. The numbers have always always liked this team, but to to go on the road and win at Kansas obviously meant a lot. But then to rally the way that they did from a pretty big first half deficit against TCU, I mean that showed me a lot about this BYU team. This is a group that I thought you know was kind of living on the work that they had done in the non conference by blowing out opponents. You know, was kind of skeptical of what they could be in March and. You know, it surprised me in a good way that this team looks legit, a team that I think, you know, with the amount of shooting that they have, the skill level, that they could be dangerous come NCAA tournament time. Yeah, uh, I am just still stunned. Floored, you know, you you picked the adjective that South Florida won the AAC. I mean, I, I could have listened to, if you tell me three or four different teams win it, I'd have listened to it. South Florida would have never, ever, ever, ever entered mm-hmm. that discussion. Um, I believe that South Florida was picked ninth. They are picked ninth in the preseason uh, with good reason. I mean, it's Amir Abdurrahim's first year. You have a bunch of new guys. Like, you're not supposed to win the league, especially the FAU coming in, bringing back everybody from a year ago. 
Uh, not, you know, to say nothing of the disappointment that Memphis has been. So, yeah, the fact that they went on the road at Charlotte, I believe as four-point underdogs, and just crushed them to win the AAC regular season. Yeah, that was definitely surprising <clears throat> all around. So, again, yeah, so, yeah, before we do toast, toast tonight, because we have some time here, Brian <laughs> wants you to explain the net. I, too, would love for to hear how it works. I think the net discourse has gone off the rails. So here is the very simple explanation of the net. The net essentially sets in its in its system what it thinks you should beat a team by, whether that's the 360th ranked team or the number one ranked team. It has a, a projected score in its head, basically. That is how Ken Palm works, right? Like you can go on Ken Palm right now. Houston's projected to beat UCF 70 to 60 on Wednesday on the road. If a team exceeds those expectations, and you can see those expectations because the net and Ken Palm usually look pretty similar. They see those expectations, they will move up in the net. If they do not exceed those expectations, whether that's win by 10, whether this was win by 20, or lose by, you know, lose by 20 when you were supposed to lose by 10, you will drop, you, you, you'll go down in the net. You'll, you'll, you'll get worse, right? It, it, it is, it is a, a metric that for the most part is trying to figure out who the best team is forward looking, not who is the most deserving, not who has the best resume. It is, a, it is a metric that, for the most part, operates as a predictive metric of who are the best teams. So when I, when I go on Twitter and I see people be like, why did Syracuse go down because they beat Louisville on the road? Well, you beat Louisville on the road by six. Louisville's a terrible team. When you, lose, when you only beat Louisville by six, you go down in the metrics. Right? Colorado State, when they beat Wyoming at home by only eight, went down in the metrics because you're supposed to be Wyoming by more than eight. It is, it is not as complicated as everyone makes it out to be. Uh, I understand, and I, I think it's an issue that the NCAA does not make the net more transparent, but I do not believe that things are nearly as um, imp impossible to understand uh, as, as it is sometimes made out to be on social media. So that's my, that's my take of the day, and that is not as but hard do you, to But do you, think, do you think net does that, all those things, better than – Ken Palm better than Torvik, better than Evan Mia. Do you think it like that's the thing for me is like, okay, predictive, but it's worse at being predictive than, uh, you know, other analytics that no, don't get used to, officially to, by the. To, to be clear, the, the, the NCAA should just use Ken Palm. If they want to, if they want Ken Palm, why did they make something that like generally tails Ken Palm, but isn't exactly Ken Palm, right? Like if, if the NCAA should number one, just tail Ken Palm if it wants to be Ken Palm and number two, publish its formula. Right. Whatever they're using, right. everyone should know what it is so that they can go out and schedule accordingly. Right. People's jobs are on the line because of this. I think we talked to RC about this yeah. uh, a week or two ago. Right. Like it is ridiculous that coaches are guessing on what it takes to move the net. But if you right. look hard enough, it's not as complicated as everyone realizes. And, and you can figure out the pattern pretty quickly as to how you move the net. Beat teams right. that you're supposed and to it's, and, it, and we're not getting champions out of the 40s, right? I mean, it's just not its not happening. Correct. So, I mean, I, I, in the end, it's going to probably stay pretty close to <clears throat> how it all breaks down. All right, let's do uh, Toast of the Night, Jarrell. Who, uh, who gets the Jarrell McNeil Toast of the Night for their performance tonight, this week, whoever? Um, not necessarily going to like doing it, but I got to go back UConn here and, uh, and go with the big fella, Donovan Klingon. Uh, I thought he was dominant today. Uh, he played really well, finished with 19 points, 11 rebounds, and five blocks. Uh, and when they just kind of put the uh, put the pedal to the floor there in the second half, man, he was just making play after play. Every time I look up, uh, he was running the floor hard, getting uh, getting lobs over the top. 
uh, or cleaning up misses on offensive glass and putting it back and dunking, man. So uh, he just had a dominant performance, man. He's a low and, uh, you know, obviously tiered Seton Hall guys who want to get to the rim and drive it uh, from getting to the basket and doing what they want to do. So they were able to run away with that game. So that's my toast of the night. Cheers. First outright Big East championship in 25 years. That's a long time. Yeah. 1999. You, Kevin, you were not born yet. <laughs> I was born in 1999. So, yes, I guess it would have you been were... born like six months before their title, after their title, excuse me. Wow. How about that? So, yeah, that's that's the first one you have ever seen. That's amazing. Yes. That's amazing. Congratulations. Just to put that into perspective. Yeah. Who gets your toast of the night, Kevin? Uh, Kalen Clark. Uh, another uh, another hey! milestone. Congratulations to her. Uh, I think I've been on the show every time she's broken a record this uh, this year. So uh, if Caitlin wants more records to smash, she should just get me on the show more often. But it, it's it's amazing to watch every time she goes out there, and hopefully uh, hopefully get a lot more of those in, in March and, and in April. So it's been it's been fun to watch and another milestone today. So cheers to Caitlin. Yeah, I mean obviously that was going to be my first choice. Look at look at this guy drinking Diet Coke. I mean he's just as as responsible <laughs> as he gets on a Sunday night. Uh, it's been a lot of fun tonight here on the second last uh sunday edition of the regular season in college basketball obviously we'll be back next week with episodes chronicling the final regular season week of college basketball for kevin sweeney for jerrell mcneil i'm john martin thanks for spending a little time with us on sunday night have a great week